There are just seven games remaining in Winnipeg's season, and Winnipeg is desperately fighting to hang on to a playoff spot. Now, the Jets have gotten a bit of a break, the Preds have lost, and the Jets now also get to play uh, Calgary and Nashville over the next couple of days. But before then, they've got the Detroit Red Wings, and the Jets are going with some unique lines that may shake things up, which we'll dive into on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. We're available on all of the ones that you listen to, and we're also out there on YouTube. So, Again, drop a like, follow, and a subscription. It keeps you up to date on the latest content, and also, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, like I said at the top of the episode, Jets are going to be facing off uh, with the Detroit Red Wings, kicking off the final stretch of their regular season. Winnipeg has just seven games left, and uh, yeah, I think we're all just about ready for the end of the season. Let's be real, it's not been fun, uh, so I think just kind of getting through these last seven would be nice. Maybe the Jets can win a couple of games and, and restore at least a little bit of faith in the fan base. Uh, certainly morale and um, the belief in this team is at an all-time low. I honestly don't even know if uh, if Winnipeg itself believes in in this whole shebang and, and making the postseason, but the Jets are going to go out there and do something, right? Uh, so last seven games, you got Detroit, New Jersey, Calgary, Nashville, San Jose, uh, then Minnesota, and Colorado on the road. So the Jets have like five home games, which is really advantageous, especially playing two of the teams that are directly chasing them. But, you know, this is not a particularly easy uh, end-of-the-season schedule. Minnesota and Colorado at the end of the uh, of the year on the road, that's pretty brutal, so I don't know that the Jets can really expect more than a point from either of these games. Winnipeg is also going to have to be on its best behavior against the Flames and Preds. I mean, Nashville just lost like 2 nothing to Pittsburgh, so that's helpful in terms of Nashville not being able to recoup some of the points that um, Winnipeg already has uh, over them, but certainly for the Jets, still sweating quite a bit. It's, it's not sealed, signed, and delivered yet. And if Winnipeg can't really get more than like two wins over the next seven, that's going to be really hard for the Jets. So to that end, uh, things have changed a little bit um, in terms of the lineup. Winnipeg has gone for a, a reshuffling of the deck, if you will. The first line is going to be Connor Dubois and Shifley. The second line is Ehlers, Nemesnikov, and Wheeler. Third line is Nina Ryder, Lowry, and Appleton. Then you've got Barron, Stenland, and Menelainen. And then on defense, Morsi and Pionk, then uh, Dylan and DeMello, and finally Sandberg and Schmidt. So 
some things that are interesting, some things that are not so great. The first interesting thing is that we're seeing Shifley finally being flexed out wide. You know, they're they're getting away from the whole he's a center thing. Let's kind of account for the fact that his defensive struggles are are kind of a, a, an issue. So instead of worrying about him trying to anchor the middle, just make him an attacking winger. Let him do what he does best out wide alongside Dubois. Uh, I don't know if we've really seen Dubois and Shifley playing together at even strength. Uh, I, I can't even remember the last time that that might have been a combo. If it has, it was probably just on the shift change. So I'm curious to see how it works here. Connor with Dubois um, traditionally has been a good combo if you also add a, a talented playmaker or somebody who can kind of do a lot of the other stuff that maybe Connor and Dubois are, are struggling with. Um, in particular, Ehlers is like the, the straw that stirs the drink when it comes to transition and doing a lot of that stuff. So if Shifley can do any of that, um, you know, this line could be good. Uh, again, it's not what I would do necessarily. I think Connor Dubois and Ehlers, a combo that has proven to be dominant, would have been my personal preference. But, uh, I mean, there's no use arguing about it. The Jets are going to try something. So you might as well, I guess, throw it, uh, throw caution to the wind and try to fix this team. Ehlers and the Mesnikov going back together, that's objectively good. Um, Wheeler on the flank, I, I don't think is, is, again, my preference, but I know that Bones is contractually obligated or whatever to play him in the top six. So why get mad about it? It is what it is. Hopefully Blake can kind of keep up and, and help offer some sort of support. Ehlers and Domestikov have some natural chemistry, so happy to see them reunited, uh, even if it's it's maybe not the way that I personally would arrange it. Niederreiter, Lowry, and Appleton should be a passable third line. Uh, poor Nino, he's going to be having to pick up the slack of a line that offensively not going to be at the races, if we're being honest. Lowry has scored uh, a couple of goals over the past few weeks, but again, you know, you're not really looking at a line that is a particular offensive juggernaut. Uh, Baron Stedlin and Menelainen should be fine enough as your fourth. Really would have liked Baron uh, on the third line instead. I think he brings more offensive upside um, than Appleton, and I think he can do a, a solid job alongside Lowry, but, you know, at this rate, I'm, again, not really going to complain. I think the one thing I would really like to see happen at some point is Gustafson to come back in over Menelainen. I, I don't know why uh, Gustafson continually gets benched, but I really think he would help um, with some of the, the forechecking and, and the really precision plays that Menelainen occasionally struggles with. And then, you know, in terms of Janssen Fialbi, I think he'd be an upgrade on Appleton personally. Uh, you know, I think his his transition ability and speed, I think speed really would help with, you know, what Winnipeg struggles with. If Winnipeg can't outskill its opponents, then at least try and outrace them to pucks and, and create opportunities. And Janssen Fialbi was doing a lot of that. So, yeah, not super thrilled with that change. Um, I don't think those guys really should be benched over a couple of players who are in the lineup, but... I don't make the decisions. That's on the coach. And uh, he's he's trying to find some sort of a spark. So we'll see if he finds it. Uh, Pianca, the first pairing, we're not going to talk about. That's just asking for trouble. But, you know, it is what it is. I, I Again, if this is what works for the, for the Jets and if it somehow pans out, great. But my expectation is, yeah, things are going to be a little bit hairy. Now, in the backdrop of all of this, 
uh, there's been a lot of conversations about the Jets recently and a lot of stuff getting leaked to the media, uh, whether it's from True North or insiders with the Jets. Uh, everyone's kind of got thoughts on how Winnipeg is going to play the summer out. We'll dive into some of these rumors and how likely they are or aren't in just a moment. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. The March Madness tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. You can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. Obviously, you know, if your bracket has has been busted, this is a great way to still get in on the action and try and cast a few bets, maybe, uh, you know, come back and swing a victory, maybe a come-from-behind win after all of our brackets got busted in, like, the first few hours of March Madness. But no matter what, you can always be sure that FanDuel is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us again today. We are uh, talking about Winnipeg versus uh, Detroit Kind of giving some thoughts on that. I, I forgot to give a prediction for the game. Um, Winnipeg's kind of been struggling to score recently, but I feel like this is a good chance for the Jets to come back with a 3-1 to one victory. I say this, but I'm sure Winnipeg is going to have you know struggles and challenges because that's just the Winnipeg way these days, right? But, uh, you know, against the backdrop of all of this, there have been a surprising number of people speculating on the future of the team. Um, I think Elliot Friedman, Darren Dreger, everyone has been saying stuff about the Jets recently because Winnipeg season's kind of coming into focus. And I think with Winnipeg struggling over the last couple of months, a lot of people have suddenly been fed some information about the direction the team wants to go. So let's talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois for a start, because a lot of what the Jets are going to do sort of hinges on what his decision is in terms of his future. And I think he's made it very clear that he wants to leave. Uh, I don't think it's in the, you know, not so amicable sense. I think he's fine with how the team is. Uh, I think he is frustrated, of course, but I think it's more um, just a natural parting of ways. I don't think there's a lot of bad blood as far as I know, unless there's stuff behind the scenes. But my understanding, or at least from how it's been framed, is that, you know, he just wants to go to Montreal, and that's always kind of been his dream to play there. I think that makes a lot of sense, and the Jets and Habs have already talked about a deal to get him there sooner. Uh, you know, Habs fans are going to think that you can get him on the cheap because you're not going to have leverage um, once he hits free agency. But you know, by the same token, I think the the Habs would not be happy with the night. You know, with the idea and notion that all these other teams that have lots of money start making him some big money offers. So. A lot to consider there, but, you know, it's, it seems pretty likely that he ends up with Montreal. But, you know, today it came out from either Friedman or, or Dreger, it might have been Dreger, um, that the Jets really don't have a lot of an appetite for a major renovation and that they're going to pitch uh, Dubois with a, a massive extension offer or something to that effect. 
doing all that they can to keep him. Now, I don't know what all they can to keep him really means necessarily, especially with respect to the Jets. We know that this team doesn't traditionally award massive contracts. Uh, one of the biggest ones in recent memory was to Blake Wheeler, but that was really driven uh, a lot by sort of loyalty to one of the franchise old guard and one of the, the big leaders in the room and somebody that the team um, genuinely respects a lot. So I don't think that Dubois has the same gravitas with management. I think that he's a very good player. I think the Jets would love to keep him, but I don't see them really uh, pursuing this avenue. I think that they know where he stands in terms of his vision for his future and ultimately how the Jets um, are, are planning to live without him. I just don't think that union is going to happen again. I think they go their separate ways. But whatever you do with Dubois kind of shapes how you approach the offseason because if Dubois goes, then you're going to have to tear things down no matter what. There's just nobody on the market who's going to be a stand-in to come in here and play at a level like that where you can comfortably feel you can make the postseason next year. Dubois, look, he's got some flaws. He's he's had some shifts lately that haven't been ideal, but at the end of the day, he's still one of our most talented centers, a, a clear second-line killer. I think it is going to be very hard to replace his impact, especially with the, the choices the Jets have internally and externally. Externally, there's not going to be much of anything unless you make a big trade. And as we just saw over the trade deadline, Winnipeg has no appetite for that. They're not interested in giving up futures. So it's either going to be free agency, which <laughs> that's not happening. Let's be real. Winnipeg is not going to be spending money in free agency on some asset that for them doesn't really offer much uh, for for a big salary. So all I can say is I'm pretty sure um, that void is just not going to be replaced other than maybe with like a promotion of Lowry or Gustafson or something like that. So if that's the gap you're dealing with, then in all likelihood, you know, the offseason is going to be a bit of a change. I can't imagine things staying as they are. I know that they just said that they're not interested in a renovation, but let's be honest. This is like the ideal time for it. I think the lack of results, uh, and especially if fans start voting with their wallets, that's what's going to really put management under pressure to make some adjustments. So we'll see how it pans out. Uh, I can't say that I'm abundantly confident in the future at this point, but maybe something surprises me and the Jets come up with a, a big victory of some sort. Now, Closing us out tonight, I wanted to take a little bit of time and just do a couple more player season review rating things. We did report cards for Dubois, Wheeler, Connor, Shifley, a lot of those guys. Uh, so now it's kind of time to take a step back and look at maybe some of the players who are more on the depth side and some of the new arrivals. We're only going to get to a couple tonight, and we'll talk about who those players are in just a little bit. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making uh, Winnipeg your first uh, Locked On Winnipeg your first listen of the day every day. We're just diving into now some player review report card thingamabobbers. Uh, we've done it last episode. Talked about a couple of players like Connor Dubois, Shifley, you know Wheeler, a lot of the the top six Ealers as well. Um, and look, you know some of these guys have spent time elsewhere in the lineup, but. Uh, sorry, Ealers, that's basically the one who's been demoted. But, uh, you know, some of the depth players have had solid seasons. 
I would say our, our newest arrival, uh, Nino Niederreiter, has been for me decent. Um, it, it's hard to really give him a major grade. I think I'm going to give him like a B minus. Uh, the past couple of weeks haven't been as great, but I think his his first portion of his tenure with the Jets was quite good. So I think Nino is going to fill that exact gap of like a middle six attacking finisher that the Jets just don't have a lot of in their depth ranks. Uh, with Nino, though, I think he's been asked to do a lot more than that because, you know, the Jets offensively just don't have that much jump up front. I think Winnipeg is very much a clear top six and a bottom six, and Nino has kind of been used in all areas. Uh, he'll be on the third line against the Detroit Red Wings, but don't be shocked if you see him occasionally take a shift in the top six if things aren't really working out. Uh, but again, I, I think a B- minus for his season is fine. Uh, he really hasn't had enough time to make a tremendous impact on this team. I think, again, he's been decent, but those shifts where he he hasn't really been as as impactful and and as much of a difference maker as he kind of needs to be, it does ding his season a bit. But again, he's not been better or anything. I just think it's kind of like, you know, solid. Um, I think I'm going to give Nemesnikov probably a pretty similar rating, B-. minus. I think Vlad has been better than I expected. Um, I think like he gets in really dangerous areas. I like where his mindset is when it comes to attacking the net, attacking the low slot. I think that he does that very well. Uh, but you know whether he actually finishes those chances, yeah, it's a little bit of a different story. Um, you know, with with Vlad, you're you're tending to look more at defensive value. But again, I think his ability to create chaos in that low slot area for me was kind of surprising. I wasn't really expecting that as much with his game, but he does it well enough. It's kind of like what Adam Lowry made his, you know, bread and butter off of when he was scoring like 20-ish goals or whatever. Speaking of Lowry, um, I am trying to figure out what to give him for the season. I, I'm kind of in the C range, if I'm being honest. Uh, I think for me, Adam is just a guy who's like a really solid, you know, like fourth liner being asked to do third line duties. And there is kind of a big difference as a third liner, you really need to have a little bit more finishing ability uh, in order to supplement your top six. And I think offensively, Adam just doesn't have it anymore. He can occasionally get to some really good areas. He has, you know, decent hands for a two-on-one or something. So it's not like he's going to miss all of those chances. But generally speaking, I thought that his finishing really took a nosedive this year. Uh, there were some chances that he really should have buried that he just didn't. I don't know if it was just unlucky or if he just really missed or, or couldn't quite uh, get those opportunities to go through. But yeah, otherwise, you know, Lowry's defensive numbers are just sort of okay. Uh, in general, I think a lot of his underlying numbers and, you know, just general observations from seeing him out there, he's just okay. I, I think he's expensive for what he brings. I don't think he's like bad by any stretch of the imagination, but as a guy who's supposed to be like an elite bottom six center, I just think he's been okay. Um, but I, I guess, you know, looking at some of his line mates, um, the last player that we're going to talk about on this one and give a rating to is, is Mason Appleton. And if you're talking about a player who's struggling for offense, struggling to create, Appleton's kind of it. Uh, Mason at one point was thought to be like Andrew Cop 2.0, but I think we very quickly found out that's not the case with him. He's a lot less of a play driver. 
Um, and even his ability to facilitate play out wide, out wide hasn't really been very good. Whatever happened from when he left the Jets to go to Seattle, just he came back a different player, and it's it's not really been the same since. Uh, for me, Mason has kind of had like a D minus to an F season. He's just out there, and it's it's very clear that he's trying to get into dangerous areas, trying to make an impact, but it really hasn't come together at all. Um, it's a shame because like Appleton at one point looked really promising as a nice complimentary winger, but this season that he's having has been brutal. Uh, maybe he's not 100% healthy. Maybe he's still dealing with some lingering injury stuff. Uh, he was out for quite a long time this year, so I'm not really willing to throw him under the bus entirely, but in terms of what I thought he'd do this year, just really hasn't been the sort of, uh, you know, middle six scorer or, or facilitator that I was expecting. So a bit of a shame. Uh, would have liked a little more from him, but, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully, if he comes back next season, he is refreshed and, and really willing to uh, contribute a little more offensively because Jets are probably going to need it uh, based on what we're seeing with some of the roster stuff ahead of the summer. But let me know how you would rate these players and what you think of their season so far. Drop your grades in the comments below or at my social medias at Loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Again, for tonight's episode, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jets your first listen today. Make your second listen game to game NHL. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked on Game to Game gives you all of the insights that only our local experts can provide all on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. You can follow Game to Game on YouTube as well. It is great with uh, Locked on NHL available, and you can also get it from the, all of your typical favorite podcasting platforms, same as where Locked on Winnipeg Jets is available. As always, thanks again for listening. Uh, make sure you hit that follow and subscription. We will see you folks next week, but for tonight, good night, have a great night, and go Jets go.